It's the slightly crunchy mom cast. Slightly crunchy mom cast. Where our discussions are based in evidence. And we try to maintain our relevance. But two drinks in, and we try not to lose our. It's the slightly crunchy mom cast. Slightly crunchy mom cast. The slightly crunchy mom cast. Hey, hey, hey. This is the slightly crunchy mom cast. This is a podcast with research based parenting information from a real world perspective of two moms just trying not to lose their shit. Hey, do you like the podcast? Take a moment and let us know. Leave us a re- review on iTunes. It's going to help us out and help others find our podcast too. Now let's get to it. Today is episode 50 and we're talking about family mealtime. <sighs> <laughs> What's that breath about? I mean, because it's just such like a thing. It's a thing. You know, we got started about this episode because my husband, I work a couple of days a week and if you've listened to us for a while and there's definitely some of you guys out there that have been listening to us week in and week out, we talk about the fact that I like to eat at home. When my husband is cooking, my children sustain on sodium and processed foods. Like if I were to die, my children, like Hungry Howie, like my neighbors know that I am working when they see Hungry Howie's drive yeah. through the neighborhood. Yeah. Like there's no, like they sustain. If I do not cook them a meal in preparation then they are screwed for what they'll eat. Now, they love it. They call it, I call it momen, and then they call it ramen. So momen's when I make it, and I've got this, like, you know, these beef tips in there and, like, these boiled eggs and everything else, whereas Brian just, like, throws in the sauce, and they're yeah. like, Dad just does a better job. Yeah, and we have very different um, cooking, eating scenarios. Yes, we do. In our, in our marriage, which, are we getting into that today? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, first... I'm Brittany. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. I'm Whitney. I'm the one who has the problem with when I work. My my children are sustaining. <laughs> on, they're blowing yeah. up into like sodium little water-soaked yeah. human yeah. beings. <laughs> what you drinking? I am drinking a Mimosa City by Fontaflora Brewing. And I love Fontaflora. They're near, they're kind of in a small area and I love them. They, they make great brewery. beers. Yeah, so I'm, this is a shout out to them. If you've ever, their area is super awesome. It's in the middle. It's like near Marion kind of ish, but they have this great picnic area and you can just, your kids can be crazy and they make so many friends. You can just get a buzz on and you just feel like you're just crushing it at life. They always, I feel like have really cool like artwork on their cans. They have cool like hats and shirts that I've seen. I know. I hope when we, when I hope when I tag them, they listen to this, which I don't think they do, but like I just, they're an awesome place to go and hang out. So if you're in North Carolina and you're at Lake James, cause they're right off of Lake James check them out they're super awesome i mean i like them a lot their food trucks are not that i mean they're great but they take like an hour and a half to get the pizza so bring your own pbjs that's what i got for you what you got i'm drinking a triple c golden boy um they are also a brewery that i quite enjoy they're here in charlotte so cheers oh yeah let me get my glass yay i don't think anybody heard that yeah well we gotta get a bell or something like (laughs) clank it (laughs) like just clink it when we do it so uh you know every family i feel like has their own kind of culture to um what they do for meals like eat do they eat out do they cook who cooks 
what about the grocery shopping? You know, I've got this, you know, this stage of my life, most of my friends are married with kids. And I always see like a, a slightly difference in each of them. Yeah. Right? So like I have one friend who uh, really neither her nor her husband cook. They door dash like a mofo. Yeah. But their kids typically don't eat out like they have like staples that they make for them like chicken nuggets but they doordash for themselves like after the kids go to bed <laughs> <laughs> so they, do they but eat they together will cook. yeah no. yeah i think so and and they will cook you know every now and then and stuff like that then you know there's you who brian does not cook at all no at all Mm-mm. Um, and then I have another friend who, um, they both cook, but they just don't do it that frequently because I don't know, they're busy during the week, I guess, or something. It's just not what they do. And then in my house, um, me and Michael both cook, but for different, uh, different layers of expertise and reasons. So like my husband is a very good cook. He enjoys cooking complicated, multi-ingredient multi-levels of preparation meals yeah the aged meat he really enjoys smoking meats grilling meats uh, he, he even likes to make like complicated pasta sauce all this stuff he's a fantastic cook he is and he enjoys doing it to entertain makes a fantastic chicken breast yes he does he does really, I mean, really there's nothing that he makes that's not good so uh and he cooks he likes to cook breakfast food too like he cooks all the meals but or, or he will cook all the meals that you know but during the week i cook i don't enjoy cooking i don't cook multi-ingredient meals that are like beyond maybe mm, four or five ingredients including the seasonings i don't know they're very basic but they're they're healthy and they keep us alive they get the job done they get the job done well and so when you look at it percentage wise 50 percent of families dinners are eaten together so only 50 percent and they say that the average american has three family three dinners a week with their family so it's actually not as much as you think now that when i was looking at this in comparison to back in like say 1990s 2000 it was only four meals per week but it is decreasing they find that now we're spending more money on restaurants than groceries, but that is 50% versus 49%. To me, that's insanity only because I have to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home. Like restaurants are so expensive, yes. but it just is crazy to me that we're eating more at restaurants than we are buying it from the grocery store. Um And so they also find that most teens, about 25%, want to have more family dinners than we currently having. So kids who share a family meal three or more times per week are more likely to be in a normal weight range. And so we know that cooking at home is a valuable thing. It's just really hard to do. So statistically speaking, the number one reason why families do not cook at home is honestly time. Yeah. It's they don't have enough time. My friend who has five children, when COVID hit, she lost about 60 to 70 pounds. She lost a lot of weight during that time. Yep. And she did a great job with it. And when I was talking to her not too long ago, she's like, I got to get it back together. I've gained back all that weight 
because they started her whole family. They're a football family. Her dad played football for App State. Her husband played football for App State. Her brother played football for App State. She's got four boys. And by damn it, they're going to get the best shot at playing at App State <laughs> there is. And so they they are really, and she'll tell you, we are a sports family. And so like every night there's some kind of activity. And one of her sons, the pediatricians say he's obese. And she's like, I talked to her about that. I was like, well, what's he eating? She was like, he eats what we eat. I was like, he's eating more. And she was like, honestly, the biggest change is when we weren't, when we were in COVID, we weren't eating out. Now we eat out. And so I've gained back all 60 pounds that I had and and then some. And so she's back at the gym and she'll lose it again because she's the most determined woman I've ever met. She's got five fucking kids. So like she'll be fine. But like it's really interesting when we think about that, the correlation between eating out and eating at home and kind of what that looks like yeah i mean you can me and michael talk about it all the time you can be eat the quote-unquote most healthiest meal that a restaurant has to offer and it's still going to be like head and shoulders above any unhealthy fried meal you could home make for yourself your family at home um I really think eating out will put the calories on real quick. Even if you're trying to eat like a salad or something. So how often does your family eat dinner together? Well, we eat dinner together every night. So do we. So even if we go out to eat, we eat dinner together every night. We don't do kind of what you're explaining, which is like, and I do have some friends that do this, that like they let the kids eat and then when they go to bed, they will eat. Now, occasionally. We also don't eat separate meals. We eat, like we eat what everyone is eating. Um, We but we eat every meal together. How many meals do we eat at home per week? I would say five to six dinners at home per week. Now, clearly there's some weeks where it's four and there's some weeks where every night we're eating at home. Um, That varies. I also enjoy to cook. And we're going to do our next episode kind of talking about how to make the time. But I also enjoy to cook. What's interesting about this whole thing that we're talking about And I wanted to just say this real fast is that education and income level doesn't relate to eating at home or eating out, which I think is really interesting. So it doesn't matter if you are super rich or you're super poor or you're graduate educated or high school degree. That does not play into whether or not you're someone who is more likely to eat out more often or eat in more often. So did you come across what did? Well, it's a lot of this, it's a lot of, yeah, so it's a lot of time. A lot of times people in this situation of my friend Haley, um, she doesn't have, she feels she doesn't have the time. And, you know, we talked about it and kind of figured out some ways she could do it because she knows she needs to eat at home. Yeah. Um, For the health of the family and for the cost, she's got five kids. I mean, that yeah. can't be cheap. I mean, I'm telling you, we spend, so I, we eat home most often. We will eat out on the weekend. Um once, maybe twice, just depending on where we are and what we're doing. But I, you know, we can be family of four, and although Rhett is just like, just over a year, he eats more than Elise does. So we have to order him a kid's meal wherever mm-hmm. we go. And I can spend, that's probably 50 bucks to take us all out to eat, right? Especially if you have a beer or something like that. That is, you know, probably... Le- it's a little less than a fourth, but still, like for our grocery bill for the week, do you know how many meals I can get and make at well, the grocery store for 50 bucks? It's and, crazy. And to quantify your feeling, it is $8 going out per person versus $4.50. Yep. So it's almost half. Like, so to quantify that, because there was this, there was a research that was talking about 
is it cheaper to eat out at a fast food restaurant versus eating in the family or eating at home? And they actually found that it was more expensive to eat out than it is at home, even at a fast food restaurant. The difference was about 85 cents, but like up to $1.75. Clearly what you're eating is going to matter on that kind of Roma things. But even when you look at fast food, it's cheaper to eat at home. Well, and you know, we're talking about this link of eating out, eating at home. Honestly, we're, we're talking about it physical health right now, but I will also say there's aspects of eating at home as a family that you'll hear time and again that's good for you as a family too in other ways. It helps with connectedness and being able to talk with your kids about the, the, their day, especially as they get older and they're teenagers, to have a chance to connect as a family. So all that stuff is important too. Um, but we're talking about the link to obesity well, and I think we've talked about this before, like, you know, especially having a daughter, I want to be really careful with body image. I don't want her to always worry about, oh, am I too big? Am I fat? Whatever. Like, am I small enough? Which is why I try to link how you eat to how you feel. Yeah. And so, like, is it cheaper to eat at home? Yes. But also, like, the quality of the food is higher. You can have more control about what goes into your food, and you feel better. I mean, we recently went to Virginia, right, on a trip. Oh, yeah. And whenever we travel, we eat out a lot, right? Oh, yeah, and drink a lot of beer. And so, you know, you just feel a little, like, trash, like I did, like, Mm -hmm. the day after. You feel, like, exhausted. Your body feels sluggish. Because you're just eating, like, crap, you know, and I will say, I, um... I also, uh, when we go on like week-long trips, we'll try to book a house so that we can go to the grocery store and we can cook at home and and eat there, even on vacation. And I'll tell you, I've gotten, I think it's a mindset. I, I certainly understand people saying they're busy. However, I do think you make time for what's important. And I think you can creatively figure it out if it's something that you do truly value. It just takes a mindset shift. But once you shift your mindset to me, especially with small kids, I think it's easier to eat at home because like you're, you know, especially like with a little toddler, trying to keep them still at a public restaurant and not running around the restaurant is pretty tough. Yeah, and home-cooked meals has been shown to reduce the risk of obesity. So we're going to talk a little bit about obesity. Um, it's defined as a BMI at or above 95% of the the level of within the United States, and this is by the CDC. 41% of adults qualify as obese, and right now the study between 2017 and 2020 say that 19.7, so women around around it to 20%, of children also fall into the obese calendar. So 14.7 million. When you break it down by ages 2 to 5, it's 12.7% of children. 6 to 11, 20.7. And 12 to 19 is 22.2. I talk about obesity because there is such a link between that and eating out, um, kind of the experience of what my friend has had. Um, there is a huge link to that because they say that 97% of children's meals do not qualify like uh, what they give you for the children's menu does not qualify for a nutritional meal towards towards the standards that they set for most of the time it's chicken nuggets and fries right or or something like that so 97% of those meals are not doing it also you have no control of what goes into that food so the sodium the it was you know if I cook fried chicken if I cook it at home versus whether I buy it from KFC 
KFC or something like that, it's going to be better for me by cooking it at home. I can boil the chicken first and then fry the skins, deep frying it. So when we look at it among the populations, um, 26.2% of Hispanic children are obese, and it's 24.8% of non-Hispanic black, 16.6% of non-Hispanic white, and 9% of non-Hispanic Asians are obese right now, up to 19 years of age. What's interesting to me is the lowest income group accounts for 18.9%. The middle class is 19.9% and the highest income is 10.9%. So clearly the there's a difference only between middle and then upper. So lower middle, they, they're, to me, I mean, 1% is negligible when you're talking about, I mean, when you look at, it, I guess, through the world, it's a lot. But in the statistics out of 100, it's, it's kind of negligible. What's really interesting to me is that obesity prevalence was decreased in the highest income group among non-Hispanic Asian boys and Hispanic boys, which is really interesting to me when you look that Hispanic is the number one um, population to have obesity within it. When they have a higher income, it's, they are among the lowest. And so that's really interesting to me. I don't really know why. I didn't unpack it mainly because it wasn't important, but it was really interesting to me. And then non-Hispanic black girls, it didn't matter between poor or wealthy. The The level of obesity stayed the same. They're kind of the only group where it stayed the same, um, which is also quite interesting. But amongst all of it, when you talk about obesity, it, it has the effect of causing hyper, this is in children. So hypertension, type two diabetes, depression, asthma, um, sleep apnea, social isolation, joint problems, fatty liver disease, which I deal a lot with fatty liver disease in the ICU. It's not great in coronary artery disease. And what we know from it is that if you are obese as a child, you're highly likely, you're more likely, let me say more likely because I'm in statistics class and I'm really working on terminology here, (laughs) more likely to be obese as an adult. And therefore what they find is losing weight and changing lifestyles as an adult is incredibly difficult. But when we do it as a child, it's a lot more malleable. Yes. Which is why I wanted to make the point of, and I don't, I don't want people to hear I'm not being sympathetic about people that are really busy. And, and, and I, I get that. I do get that it's really hard to like make time for things during the week, especially if you and your partner are working, your kids are older, they're involved in all these activities. Um, to me, I mean, I work from home, which means that most days I log off at five o'clock and I'm downstairs by 502. Um, you know, that. so, yeah. so I have, and I can even being at home, I had the, um, you know, the benefit of being able to maybe like start a meal during the day or at least thaw some meat or something like that. However, I do think that it's all about making something a a habit and a routine. And I think if you can creatively think about your situation and how you can make that happen, once you get really good at kind of trimming the fat, pun intended, haha, um, (laughs) you can get really like really streamlined about your processes. So like, for example, I, we, I make a grocery list Um, I go to the grocery store typically once a week and I plan four weeknight meals because Fridays we typically go out to eat um, because we don't want to have to worry about cooking and that sort of thing. But I try to put everything on the list that I'm going to need. I plan those meals. I keep a list of those meals because then that takes the decision and the thinking out of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is a whirlwind from 5 to 8 p.m. in my house. Like, it, it's home from school, homework, pack, pack lunches for the next day, make dinner, do the bath, get in bed, handle any extraneous things. Well, and, and time is one of the effort. 
the things. The other thing is that in the situation of my husband, I don't really think it's a time problem. Oh, we're going to teach him. It's a problem where he doesn't know how to cook. (laughs) And my husband was raised with an an incredibly enabling mom. And so we were talking about this in the car where I was like, you're a lot better than you used to be. But like, he is one of those that the moment he hits any kind of hardship, he throws up his hands and he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he married me where I'm like, oh, we're fucking doing it. I mean, like, I mean, we are so different in that kind of aspect. And so like, I drive a stick car and he has never driven my car because he doesn't know how even though I've tried to teach him on numerous occasions because he just can't do it so it's not that cooking is really something that is like a time problem for him it's a not knowing how to do it problem and so that's why we're going to also talk about next episode but you know what I now I grew up in a home where both my parents cooked and we ate at home so did I and there is that family like and and I absorbed it as a culture however I don't I don't explicitly ever remember my parents teaching me to cook. Now, in their, my mom's a terrible well, cook. Well, in their defense, I never wanted to learn. Okay, so it, I actually do think my mom tried a few times, and I showed zero interest, and she was like, "All right, you do you," and which I did. But I remember when Michael and I first got married, we we made very basic meals that were honestly not very good, but we just needed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We bought recipe books that were like easy recipe books. But then, obviously, then you have the internet and you have a smartphone now. And, like, I just look up stuff. If we get bored with our 30-minute weeknight meals, like, I can just Google something typically easily. Um, I love a crock pot. That's great. I love to buy, like, I go to Costco. I get stuff like fish and chicken in bulk that's frozen. That makes a lot of opportunities open up for like easy stuff on weeknights. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's important to kind of look at these benefits of eating at home just to kind of help everyone realize the importance of it is that those that eat at home six to seven nights a week are are more less likely to consume calories when they do eat out because they choose to eat fresh foods and they're not eating fast food. So like if you're eating out only one time a week or once every two weeks, you're more likely to be like, let's go to that super posh restaurant and like, let's get that thing that we love. something special like sushi or like you know, I wanted to circle back to something because because we've talked about this before in a different context, like with date night and stuff. Um, I know you said you and your kids typically eat 100% of your meals together. I, me and Michael, on occasion, on the weekends, we'll go ahead and feed the kids. And then after they go to bed, we'll do something special like a steak or something like that. And I think that that's a good avenue for a date night sometimes when you it's don't have idea. to like produce a sitter and all this. But we'll get like a nice bottle of wine couple of like better cut steaks we'll go ahead and feed the kids do you sit with them while they're eating yeah exactly well i mean i have to for red i don't know that it's (laughs) but i also don't know that it's necessary we do not eat in front of the tv yes that was another thing you around the house you don't necessarily have to eat at the same time like i'm not a big breakfast person to be honest i really don't like to eat breakfast i'm just I like to have a coffee. I just want to, but I still sit down with my kids when they eat breakfast most days. I'm going to be honest. Like, all this stuff is literally like, it's the trend. So, like, it's the majority of the time that really matters. Like, it's not, 
you know, I mean, I love a good Taco Bell. My kids get super psyched when we do Taco Bell. We did Donut Day on Saturday. Like, Graham has strep again. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sit here and be like, we eat from home. Exactly. Like, it's a bonus. Like In our house, like we always talk about, it needs to be the rule and and not the exception. Exactly. But in our house, we have something called a road tarp. This is a pop tarp when we are running late for school, which is probably at least once a week. And Elise gets a pop tarp on the way to school for breakfast aka road tart i like it we're gonna start doing it <laughs> she's like can i have a road tart like she's probably gonna be like 18 in college being like you guys like the strawberry road tarts and they're gonna be like what the is a, what is a road tart girl you are weird it's like oh that's a pop-tart it's a pop-tart it's just a pop-tart yeah and you want to argue with me that there is literally anything substantial nutritional wise in a s'mores pop-tart oh yeah there's nothing but i do think that you know i think it's so important and i know we've said this before but I think it's important to help kids connect what are healthy foods and what are unhealthy foods. How do healthy foods make me feel? How do unhealthy foods make me feel? Not to like demonize the unhealthy foods because we 100% eat. Indulge. I mean, yesterday we went to this fall festival. Literally, Elise had cotton candy, a sucker, three Tootsie Rolls, uh, a cream horn, (laughs) uh, a macaroon, and a hot chocolate bomb. You want to tell me that's moderation? Heck no, girl. Heck no, that's no moderation. But here we are, you know? Well, because you also don't want the kid that's like in the closet drinking all the soda. Exactly. Like you hear a Snickers rattle and they come from Right. Like there, There's a balance to all this. <laughs> I think that kind of when we're talking about it, it's, it's especially important when you're just kind of talking about obesity and kind of life choices. What they do find, the according to the Center on Addictions and Substance Abuse at Columbia, they found that eating together as a family shows a correlation and I'm like I have to reword almost all these articles because thank you statistics but (laughs) at performing better academically they're less likely to engage in risky behaviors of drugs alcohol sexual activity and better relationships with their parents I'll say this there are times when I sit at dinner and I have to like have these conversations with my children that's almost like as stimulating as chewing on like a piece of wood (laughs) but I keep telling myself in the back of my brain what I'm really building us up for is high school because if you have to sit at the dinner table and you are high as hell I'm gonna know it right because I've had dinner with you every day for forever and when you show up stoned out of your gorg because you're 16 and you think it's cool to Mm -hmm. smoke weed your mom's gonna be sitting there and be like I also smoked weed at 16 and I'm gonna kill you I know what this looks like like. and so like it's really all of that where it's like you're just kind of that checks and balances system of kind of doing all that also when you link it back to healthy eating it's literally the one thing that you can do that really will control what she's saying this idea between what is healthy to eat and what is not healthy to eat and we know that like nutritionally value wise fast food is high in salt high in cholesterol high in calories and a single meal at fast food can be your entire caloric consumption in a day I mean, think about that. So you go to fast food for one meal and you just you just wiped out all your calories. Now I got to run an extra like 10 minutes. Now I got to do all this other stuff. It's just kind of like, uh, not that you don't do it, but they also say that, um, so I think it's really, they also say that mothers who eat with their families are more found to be happier and stress-free. A small caveat to that, I linked the article that they were citing for that and legit couldn't. It, it was not attached. So I don't know what that meant into what level that that was, but it was interesting. I was like, I'll take it. Like we are also more stressed, like we're less stress-free when you eat at home. Yeah. 
Um, so I think kind of the biggest important things when we're talking about kind of meals and all those things is that like, it is hard in today's world to kind of eat at home. And it is hard to like kind of figure out how to do it. If you can do it even like, let's say that right now you're eating at home two nights a meal, like two nights a week, even if you bump that to three, it's going to make a difference. If it's like, if you're three and you bump it to four, like it's going to make a difference in their nutritional caloric outcome. Now I'm lucky in the fact that Meyer loves to cook with me. So and he is a picky as shit eater still. And it's fine. They say too, they're like, have them cook with you. And then they'll want to try it. It's bullshit. But like, nonetheless, that's fine. Meyer can be his little picky eating self. And he's also stubborn. So like those ideas of like, okay, now you're not eating till dinner. He doesn't care. He won't eat till dinner. We're all good. But it does allow for a lot of family time as well in teaching him how like preparation goes, how we put it together, those kind of things. So I do serve like fried chicken. Everything I make is not healthy, quote unquote. I make a chicken pot pie where the base is um, bacon fat and butter. But at the same time, I'm making it at home. So like I said, I boil the chicken before I fry it instead of just deep frying frozen chicken. And this is like very important difference, right? One is soaking up fried food and oils. The other is boiled and then you're frying it for about three to five minutes. The amount of salt is different. The actual foods that you cook are nutritionally different when you cook at home. Well, also, not to, because we went through a fry daddy stage in this house. And, and it's fine as long as you're not going to. And, and we, we did, fries. remember we did KFC for New Year's? Yeah. And, and 100 bucks. And so, like, it's all about moderation. And I do think even if you cook very unhealthy at home, the amount of time that it takes to make something like fried chicken is probably going to deter you from how often you actually make fried chicken. When it's messy. It's rather involved, yeah. My husband's birthday is tomorrow, and he was like, I think I want chicken tenders. I was like, Aww. we can do it. I was like, the cleaning ladies will be here tomorrow, and it's going to destroy the kitchen. I hate dealing with fried foods because, A, it does it upsets my stomach, but it also, I like, love fried food. It trashes, <laughs> it trashes my kitchen. Everything has a film of yes. oil, and it smells terrible. But before we go, I did, I wanted to make another point. Like, Whitney was talking about, um, it, she she sits with her kids while they eat. They eat as a family. Not, not necessarily because of the conversations they have now, but, you know, how... I'm going to know that my kid is sown. <laughs> I also think what you're doing, whether you're... Because if you have a parent of a... If you're a parent of a teenager and you're like, yeah, we do this every night and my kid never talks to me. Here's the thing. I think that you are setting up an opportunity for that discussion and your child knows, no matter if they're a teenager or what what their age is, like, they know that this, if they had something to say, they could share it with you, like... In this moment. And I think that, like, that feels very redundant day in and day out, especially when teenagers are like, how was your day? Fine. You know, like, I used to work with teenagers. I know how they are. And so, but I do think they will know, they won't tell you how much they appreciate you creating this opportunity and space. Well, and when you, but when you look at research regarding teenagers, and and that is a time, if you look at Erickson's stages of developments, where they do pull away from their families and they go towards their friends, and that's very normal and healthy, and it's great for development. But one thing you see when you always see the research behind teenagers, yeah, they can be a-holes. Yeah, they can be whatever, but they find a home base in their parents and their families and if you create that space it was saying 25% of kids want more home cooked meals mm-hmm. one thing my parents did that I loved and they still are very close with a lot of my friends in high school I recently went for that ceremony at high school and my friend Marina was inducted with me and she came over stayed the night with my parents they talked for hours 
is I was always allowed to invite in high school whoever I wanted to eat with us. I had dinner every night. I ran every night, but we had dinner every night. We never ate out, but they were always allowed to come. And that's something that I'll also include in our family is like my, you know, my parents really asked that I tell them, but they never really knew. But they also included the friends a part of that. So my parents are still pretty close. I mean, Haley calls them. My friend Leah calls them. Marina, like these are people that are, they were in my wedding. I've known them since I was three, five, 12. Addie called, like they've called my parents because my parents were always a home base, but I wouldn't say that when we were at that age, they were like, God, these woods. Yeah. Thank God they're a home base. Like, thank God they're inviting me. I mean, it is just so nice to have this like home base for myself, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot of times these things that you do in the moment don't seem great. But when you look at research of teenagers and their evaluation of their parents during this time, even though they'll say like, they don't understand me, all these things, like we don't understand you. It's true. But they want their families involved in their lives. So yeah. I couldn't agree more with what you said. Yeah. Well, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and we hope that you will continue to listen. But thanks for listening for today. If you'd like to give us feedback, provide topic suggestions, or just tell us your own funny stories, you can reach out to us at slightlycrunchymomcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. We post weekly reminders and funny stuff just to make you laugh. Or even better, you can buy us a beer. You know we like to drink. Donate via buymeacoffee.com slash slightly crunchy. Until next week, bye.